0: a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is MANA. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of MANA, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you will meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living which is exactly what makes them extra to me. And I'm very excited for you to meet them. Now, it's been said that religion and art spring from the same root and are close kin. That's a total quote that I'm not attributing because I forgot who said it, but that's, that's been said. Uh, and if that, is in, if, that, if that is the case, uh, then today's guest is actually a triple threat. So if you think of that quote, religion art and kin. So, number one, he's a man of deep, deep religion, uh, which you'll you'll hear, uh, you'll literally hear more of here uh, as this show uh, uh, unfolds here, um, and that's why you're meeting him today. Uh, number two, he's a gifted artist and an art director who has given form and vision to myriad commercial and community endeavors, uh, designing everything from jewelry to apparel, to esports uh, logos, and to to school logos and new school identities. It's just an incredibly gifted artist um, uh, that is just uh, a blessing has blessed me in in, in, in in more vocational ways. And then third, uh, he is uh, kin uh, with a capital K, coming from a very large family, rooted in both shared love and actually shared uh, shared work, which we'll get into today as well uh, so he's got all of the bases covered uh, but in addition to his creative output he's also uh, a deeply reflective and creating person okay so not just a creative but a creating person evidenced by his many years connecting with both his interior self uh, and and, uh, and 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 with um, uh, and with others uh, in matters of faith and but also fun i mean the the in fact when i first met you uh, it was on an airplane and we were en route to a big conference in which I'm pretty sure your primary role was was a skit, and you produced these wonderfully uh, elaborate skits uh, for for teens, uh, which would have contended for Saturday Night Live consideration. So anyway, he's someone who takes his faith and his craft very seriously, and I can't wait to see what we're going to talk about and what we're going to create today. So please welcome today's man-up man, Mr. George Rashabi. Hey, George. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, it was a nice introduction. I
1: guess the audience uh, after the end will be able to decide for themselves whether it was true or not.
0: <laughs> very, very, very true. Well, I, I'm, as I said, I'm just so, so glad that you're that you're here, and I can't wait to see where this conversation is going to unfold. And so, um, where I wanted to start though, um, and I alluded to it in in your intro, um, and I won't read this whole Bible verse, but you know, when I think of you, George. And, you know, we've had, we've been very blessed on a to have uh, guests with ranges of talents. We've had, we've had pastors and we've had motivational speakers and we've had, you know, just, you know, marketing guys and sales guys, but, you know, you are truly an artist. And, you know, when I think of, of you, I think of, um, and just for everybody listening, you all know that I don't know Bible verses off the top of my head. So I had to Google this, but it's the one about the talents. It's a one about, so at 1 Corinthians 12, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different ways of working, but the same God. So this is the one where, you know, to one, there's given, you know, the the, um, the Spirit, the, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, you have this gift you have many gifts, but when you think of, of, of specifically your gift of creativity and, and being able to, you know, take an idea and in, in, in one of your cases, express it through design, through art, how early in life did that, did that kind of manifest? Like, were you one of those kids that were doodling, you know, uh, in grade school and you were like, Hey, my doodles are way better than, than others. Yeah. I think that's, that's the case. It, you know,
1: we had, uh, I went to a Catholic school through eighth grade and art was a big part of that. I think we had art classes every day or every other day. And you can kind of tell, you know, that the stuff you're doing is either on par or maybe a little better than somebody else's. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed doing it. Um, and I remember there was one night, you know, you, know, you, you go through your, your grade school life and you're, you know, doing these line drawings and things. And I remember one night we were sitting in our living room and we're watching TV and I had a sketchbook out and I was doing this little face character and I started shading it and it was the first time in my life I had actually created something that had depth to it. And it's like, I didn't even know I could do that. And it just (laughs) happened, you know? And then it was just from there on, I just kept working at it and practicing at it. But, uh, you know, when you were talking about the gifts, You get people that'll come up to you and say, you know, I don't know how you do it. I can't even draw a stick person. I bet you I've heard that a thousand times in my life. You know, I can turn around and say, you can do stuff that I couldn't even dream about doing, you know, and it's, you're right. It's, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. And we have, we have to be able to use that gift. Um, But you know, the the gift of being an artist is no greater than the gift that somebody else has that I can't do.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. When did you, and I'm sure it probably wasn't unless you were a completely self-enlightened, you know, eighth grader or eight eight year old, uh, although you said you were a Catholic school, so maybe it was kind of in the air, but when do you, was there a time when, when you did, you know, like you just said, it's a gift from God. Was there a time when you, when you did kind of attribute like, okay, I I do have this talent and you're very gracious to say, you know, everyone's got talents, which they do. But when did you start connecting that to something that it wasn't just dumb luck that you were able to kind of, Hey, wait a minute. I can do dimension here. (laughs) When did you, did that come later or was that when you were younger?
1: Definitely later. Um, I think I just kind of took it for granted that, you know, Hey, this is, this is me doing this. You know, it's, you know, I didn't really grasp the fact that, you know, God's given me an ability and really I look at it as my ability is, is to see things and recognize what looks good and what doesn't look good. It's not my talent. Mm -hmm. Some people can, there's plenty of people with way more, more talent than me that, that I look up to in the art world, but some people just can't, you can show them two drawings and one of them you know, to you is obviously so much better than the other and Some people can't see that. Hmm. And to me, that was one thing that I thought I, I could always tell what looked good and what couldn't, you know, it's kind of like, um, I'm not, you know, you can say I'm creative, but, you know, to me, if I'm to measure myself, the people that are really creative, the geniuses, you know, like. A Michelangelo or somebody like a Picasso, they're doing stuff that nobody before them had has ever done. Mm-hmm. Everything I do is I'll have this vision in my head of what I want to do, but then I'll look to other resources and say, you know how do other people do this? I like what this person did. I like what this person did. Can I combine certain aspects of those things and put something together and put my own spin on it? Mm-hmm. But it's never really you'll You'll hear the the term in the art world that there's no such thing as new design. Everything is taken from something that came before, mm-hmm. but the great people just completely you know like a monet that goes into impressionism, you know it just starts their own yeah their own way of art, you know, that other people will follow. Those are the geniuses of, yeah. of art. I'm just kind of a follower.
0: Really. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, humble, but, but what I would say is, is, and I think that's a, that's a great, that's a great humble assessment, but I would also say that your ability to, um, you know, take all of these different bits of inspiration. And we're just talking about right now, the, the, the visual arts. Okay. We haven't, we won't even have time to get into all of the, the creative arts, the expressive arts, like I mentioned about the skits and things, I th- I feel like as an artist you are uniquely um, gifted at taking all of those things, and this is going to sound like a cliche herb, but actually taking all those things and making a connection to to others. Okay, so even if it's even if it's a squarely commercial endeavor where the other might be somebody reading a catalog. Okay, you know to be able to take you know imagery and 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 connect you know because art and this is I'm way out of my league in saying something like this but I feel like art that doesn't connect to anything or anybody isn't like it's like what's the point you know what yeah. I mean and so I feel like you have and you talk about this gift of discernment you know in looking at something and going okay that's the better version of that I think that act is that to me that conveys this sort of like there's utility in that. It's like the reason that you're able to discern is because you're, you're able to know that, okay, that's going to work better. You know, that's actually right. going to get the message across. It's going to make an impression, you know? Yeah. So I yeah, feel like that, that is gonna, That
1: definitely, definitely makes sense.
0: How else, when you, you mentioned growing up and, and going to Catholic schools, was, was, was what, what, what else, how else did, did George Roshavi grow up? Was it, very, um, was it a very kind of church-influenced upbringing?
1: I'm the youngest of six kids, the next oldest kid from me, my brother Charlie, was four years older than me. My oldest brother was 17 years older than me. Wow. So I was one year old. He was went off to college, so he was almost more like an uncle. Um, but my, my parents were very devout Catholics. My, uh, my dad was a quiet guy, um, a pretty serious guy, but, you know, very devout. He was a, a World War II veteran, and— the amazing thing that I found about him, and and so many people of his generation, is is they didn't let the stuff they went through affect how they parented or how they treated other people, which I think is amazing. Because mm. he was he would grudgingly tell you stories about what had happened to him in the war, and some of them were pretty horrific. He saw close friends get killed right in front of him, but you never saw that affect the way he treated anybody. He was and and he would say later on that he would still wake up in a cold sweat at night when he was 70, 80 years wow. old. I can't even imagine experiencing something like that yeah. and to not let that affect the people around me, so I you know really admired him for that. Um, you know we definitely went to church every Sunday, you know, we'd, uh, we'd go to, uh, you know, benedictions and stations of the cross and things like that. And, uh, up until I was probably early teenager, you know, my mom would, would, uh, sit by my bed every night and say, you know, say prayers with me. Um, and you know, if you'd wake up in the morning, you'd go by there. room. Well, my dad would be on his knees by his bed saying prayers and wow. that, that, leaves quite an impression yeah, on you totally does. but you know being a, a kid you know growing up with with older brothers and seeing the stuff they started getting into it was you know the 60s and 70s so mm-hmm. you know what everything was about in, in the world you start saying you know maybe I want to try some of this other stuff you know? <laughs> and like like everybody I shouldn't say everybody but most people kind of when they get to the teen years, start to rebel against that kind of stuff. Yeah. and think, you know, this is, this is old fashioned. I don't know why it is. It's just a bunch of rules and things like that. So you can, you kind of just gradually drift away. You know, I always continually would, you know, I'd go to mass every, every, uh, every week and, uh, you know, go to confession a few times a year or whatever. But, you know, it was kind of more like checking off the boxes, yeah. you know, yeah. and, um, if you you know if if you really dove into it, I was you know drifting quite away. So I was not living the kind of life that I know
0: that I should have been living. When did you? Because now I've only known you since you've you know been a very uh, not only I would say, and I mentioned in the intro, to this a, a, a very sort of interior. You know, you you know your interior self so well, but you're also very. And what I love about you is you're unapologetically devout in the um, in the practice of being Catholic, of going to Mass, of going to confession. You know, which I love, and I feel like sometimes in this day and age, uh, we 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 are less not we, not the royal we, but you run into folks who are less uh, uh, enthusiastic about some of the practices of faith. You know, like they're 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 totally up for saying, oh, I'm a totally spiritual, and I go for these great walks, and I think about Jesus, um, but I don't go to church, you know, and I, and what I love about, about you is, is, is you know, we text each other on holy days, and like, oh, you know, whatever, so when did that, when did you come either back, or was there a moment, like, was there, like, an inflection point in your life where you're like, all right, I'm getting back into it? It's, it's really
1: interesting that the journey that, that I've been on, in in different ways that, God uh, comes into my life at certain points, or with different people. Um, you know, I, I'm growing up in a small town, you know, 60 miles south of Minneapolis. You're in high school, and you know, I had lots of friends. You know, and but you know, as soon as you graduate high school, everybody's going to go off to college, and nobody's coming back. There's there weren't any twenty-somethings in town. You know, so you go off to college and you're, you know, I remember thinking, you know, I got to find a job up in the, the metro area because the town I'm living in, the guy to, if I want to find a wife, the guy to girl ratio is like <laughs> 10 guys to one girl, you know? <laughs> and if you look at me, I'm not going to have much of a chance. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, it's like I'd be praying, you know, help me find a job up in the cities and, and here I get a job in, in in my t- my small town, you know, with the very few <laughs> options for, for dating. But eventually I I uh, met my wife. And the funny thing is, is we went to high school together. We graduated together and did not know each other at all. We wow. just hung around with, with different people. I knew who she was, but really we just never, our paths never crossed. So as we're going, you know, going through dating we end up getting married and uh and then i'm 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 working at the job the the company that i'm currently working at my job moves up to the metro area and i'm thinking to myself hey god thanks for answering that prayer now because i want to raise my family in this small town because it's a much better place to raise my family yeah and but the funny thing is so it's like you know i'm a little you know peeved about that but mm-hmm. then i mean the prayer was answered it was yeah, just it was exa- just answered exactly. in a different way <laughs> exactly and you, and then you don't see the fruits of it until way later and the amazing thing is 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 i one of the people that i commuted with was and he was a a former catholic very uh fundamentalist christian who basically hated the church Mm. and you're stuck in a car with this person for two hours every day (laughs) and he's relentless. Oh my gosh. And, but the beauty of it was, is, is what he was doing was making me look at my own faith and telling me, why do you believe what you believe? And I had no answers for any of this stuff and he would, he would just, Pepper me with things. Well, the Bible says this, and your church says this, and this and that, and, and like, and I look at it. I go, you know, you're right. And I got to the point where I was ready to leave the church. Wow. You know, because it's like I'm looking for the truth, and it seems like this isn't the truth. And I remember my mom handed me a book. I told her about this, and she handed me a book, and it was the book was called "Rome, Sweet Home by Scott Hahn. And he was a Presbyterian minister who was very anti-Catholic for much of his life. But then through certain circumstances, through the, the Holy Spirit, he started learning more about it and he realized, you know, this is what they're saying is true and it's biblically based, you know, and I was not, a big Bible reader. So if anybody would be quoting the Bible to me, it's like, yeah, you're right. I don't, you know.
0: Okay. <laughs> Gotta take on your word. <laughs> so it's like,
1: you better figure out what you believe yeah. and why you believe it. So I read this book and I was just amazed by it. you know, and it, and it started to arm me to understand my faith. And and then I ended up getting a whole series of tapes by that he had written about all these different objections to the church. And I ended up giving those tapes to this person that guy. I was commuting with, and he begrudgingly listened to them. And you know, he called me into his office one day and he said, uh, "You know, I've been listening to those, and you know, it's not like I'm I'm going to become go back to being Catholic again, but I just wanted to thank you because." I had a real hatred for the church and there was a lot of misconception there. So I yeah. wanted to thank you. And it's amazing how that worked out for both of us. Wow. You know, and after a while, our you know, our paths went in separate ways. And I started um, driving by myself to work two hours every day. And you can listen to the radio. You know, you can, you know, waste the two hours and... I just got to a point where I just decided, you know, I'm going to spend this time praying. And then I realized that was the answer to my prayer. God's answer to my prayer. Mm -hmm. I got a job up in the cities. I continue to live in this small town and I drive two hours to and from work and I can spend that time praying. Oh, that's great. That I would never have. No. You can't. I can't cram two hours into my life at home or, you know, mm-hmm. in prayer, but you can in a car because it's just you. Yep. You know. Yep. So it was an amazing answer that answer to a prayer that you know God knows what's best for us. Mm-hmm. We just
0: we gotta trust him. Yeah. You know. That is such a great and I love the I love the um sometimes I feel like for me, like I sometimes I feel like I look for these bits of divine kind of uh intervention like to be big things like oh my gosh you know whatever came back to life or whatever and and like what I love about what you're saying is you know that intervention came through a commute like it's just driving like yeah. it's and, and and just like you say you're looking at okay when am I ever gonna have two hours uninterrupted and God he he knew that's what you needed and well there you go. Yeah. You've got it. Yeah. So how do you like do you listen to like, you know, books on tape or like, how do you do it? I mean, or is it just quiet? You know, whole, are you, are you, the whole morning commute is me praying. Okay. Um, the same kinds of prayers or is it just
1: kind of yeah, like jazz? I have, where I just, have, I have my set intentions that I say, certain, certain prayers that I say. Um, and then some of it, I've learned is you just got to be quiet and listen for yeah. the answer you know it's not going to be an audible answer but you know inside
0: mm-hmm. what
1: the answer is and then um, probably on my commute home probably half of it is prayer and then the other half would be you know listen to uh, relevant radio
0: mm
1: mm-hmm. um, so it's you know it's occasionally I I did t- my wife did get me the New Testament on CD, so I've gone through that several times too. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, generally, it's
0: silent, silent mm-hmm. prayer. So. I love that. I love that. It's a, that's a, uh, a quote from Mother Teresa years ago. It said she was being interviewed by some journalist who was, and it was asking her about prayer. You know, what do you say? What do you? How do you pray? What do you? What do you say to God? I don't say anything. I just listen. <laughs> he says, "Well, what does God say to you?" He doesn't say anything. He just listens. That's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. She, she has a bunch of. She's got a bunch she got, of good stuff. She some good ones. So, so I want to ask about because I think this in the story that you told about commuting with this other gentleman and, and and now the impact that you had on his life. I'm sure if if I were talking to him and asking him this question, he might say you. But who who have been some uh, guy role models in your life? You know, as you think, just through specifically about about the the, the man of faith that you've become. Have, can you point to some guys along the way that you know? I mean, you mentioned your dad and seeing him pray at night. You know, maybe it's him. Were there other men um, that you could point to to say they were really formational in my faith? Well, I think definitely, definitely, my
1: dad. Um, my brother Bill is a, another very devout person, and just seeing what he's been willing to give up in his life uh, for God is is very admirable. You know, I had mentioned, you know, Scott Hahn listening to that. The funny thing is, is my brother, um, through his church, they would have uh, apologetics conferences. And one of the the weekends, their guest was going to be Scott Hahn. I said, hey, can I go? He goes, sure. So I go and I listen to him. And... He goes, you know, I got to take Scott to the airport. You want to come along? Nice. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So I'm sitting in the back seat, and I'm listening to him talk, and it was just <laughs> awesome. And I just, I, I, I got to interrupt you for a second, Scott. I just want to tell you, I was about ready to leave the church. I read your book; it completely changed me. I want to thank you so much. Wow. And he, he was such a humble man. He goes, you know, praise be to God. He says, and this was earlier in his ministry not too many years after he had converted, and he goes, he goes. you know, there's a lot of people that I turned away from the church. And he goes, I'm hoping I'm bringing people back now. And I go, I think you brought wow. thousands
0: more back. What a cool that, story.
1: So it, it was it was really cool to end up meeting this guy that was a yeah. huge influence on me.
0: What was, the, what was the name of the book again? Home Sweet- Rome Sweet Home. Rome Sweet Home, okay. Yeah. That's great. He's name. an extremely
1: intelligent man yeah. uh phd's he's a professor at uh, franciscan university in steubenville ohio and he has several books out but yeah. uh yeah just an amazing guy really
0: really smart well, and how cool to get a chance to meet him I yeah mean, and i'm sure yeah. for him too i'm sure he's now had many folks like that say those things but i i, I can only imagine how much that's got to touch his heart you yeah. know to, to know that he's touched others that's neat. yeah it's very cool.
1: And then, you know, as life been going on, you know, the thing that that I've struggled with is, you know, what am I supposed to be doing with my life, or am I doing enough with my life? And you know, I heard a great quote that it was from a priest who said, "If if you want to live your life for God and live your life for the world, I'll show you somebody who's miserable." And I thought, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think I, I discussed with you before, have, uh, depression runs in my family, and I've, uh, I have definitely go through depression. Um, but I found out that there's, to me, there's two different kinds of depression. There's the clinical depression, that there's really nothing you can do about it. There's a chemical imbalance. But then there's another depression, that I also suffer from, and that's a depression of knowing you're not living exactly how you should live. Mm-hmm. And you, it's, it's this inner depression. And one of the one of my favorite quotes in the Bible, and people are gonna hear this and think, what kind of a favorite quote <laughs> is that? But Jesus saying, um, oh, how I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And it's, that just hits you like a ton of bricks. And, and it's basically saying lukewarm is like the worst thing you could be. And I realize I'm lukewarm, you know, I'm not willing to be all in. Why am I not willing to be all in? And, you know, you can go back to when uh, Pope John Paul was elected Pope. The first thing he said was, be not afraid. Mm-hmm. And fear is a is a killer. I mean, yeah. you're afraid, you're afraid to be all in. I mean, read biographies of saints. I don't want to be skinned alive, you know, <laughs> I don't want my head cut <laughs> right. off. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: But read deeper into those lives, you realize that they were the most joyful people. Oh, and I had realized for so much of my life I didn't have any joy in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm happily married. I love my wife. And there's times when I'm happy, but I don't have that inner joy. Mm-hmm. And I really want that. And I just get to the point where I realize I got to be all in. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm not all in, I'm never going to be joyful. Yeah. And I was uh, I was listening to a, a, a story on YouTube. It's called uh, All or Nothing. And it's the biography of... Uh, Sister Claire Crockett, she was a, a girl from Derry, Ireland. And uh, she was a, a really uh, likable kid, really, um, really popular with, with everybody and loved to have a good time. She wanted to be an actress and she was on her way to becoming an actress. And by some mistake, she ended up going on, a pilgrimage to spain she thought it was just a trip to hang out in the sun but it was actually a pilgrimage <laughs> and she ends up and it's over holy week and she's at mass on good friday and she's sitting in the back on what am i doing here i don't want to be here and yeah. girl comes up she goes claire you gotta go up and you know venerate the cross and she goes venerate the cross i don't know what that is she goes up there and she's standing before the crucifix and she goes down to kiss it and she looks at it and she says, Jesus said to me, or she goes, inside my heart, I knew I did that to him. Mm-hmm. The way I was living my life had nailed him to the cross. Wow. And it completely changed her life. She ends up becoming um, a nun an or the servant sisters of the home of the mother, I think it's called, based out of Spain. And just an amazing person. She just used all of her gifts for the glory of God. But her, but her theme was all or nothing. And honestly, <laughs> by the end of it, I was sobbing. Yeah. I was sobbing at the story. She ended up dying in an earthquake in Ecuador while she was uh, working at a school in Ecuador. And uh, she was 33 years old, and she knew she was going to die young. Wow. But she was ready to die, young. Yeah. and I—it touched me so much that I just thought I gotta, I gotta be that way, yeah. you know. And that's just within the last year. I just think it's, it has really um, taken me to a new level spiritually. That uh, it's it, the more I give up, the more I receive. I realize. Yeah,
0: I was just gonna say because well, it, it, to me, it, w- w- the mystery of it. And the, and the beauty of it is that it's, it's this, it's this combination of courage because you have to be courageous to do that, to be all in, okay. To be, but yet at the end of the day, it's, it's actually surrender. That's what being all in is. It's not actually ironically like thinking that you (laughs) are in control of any of it, you know, And, and deciding I'm all in and jumping off the deep end. It's like, no, it is totally this release and which is harder. You have, you know? you have to humble
1: yourself because if you are not humble, it, God can't work with you. And that's what, you know, you talk about my gifts of being an artist. That's one of the problems I have with being an artist is, is you? artists have egos. They have, <laughs> they have to have egos. Yeah, right. You know, they have to take their work seriously and know they're not turning out junk. So you got to overcome that and realize that, I'm nothing, you know, I re- God's everything, oh, I'm really? nothing. And it's, there's a lot of layers he's got to peel yeah. back. Yeah. I mean, I got 50 years of layers he's got to <laughs> peel back. <laughs> so I, yeah. I don't think I'm going to be
0: dying young because yeah, he's right. got a long way Get to go right. with me. So yeah. Well, and the shortcut, the shortcut that I find is with that same, that same, you know, humility that we need to live with. And then how do you reconcile the gifts that you've been given and with humility is that, you know, in um, in all things, God is glorified. Like that's the point of the gift. It's, it's actually not to sell another widget or to, you know, make somebody go, Hey, he's really good. It's actually, it's, it's so then when they say, gosh, you are really good. I said, thanks be to God. Yeah. That's it. And I love it when guys and gals are so natural. Like I never think that, you know, when somebody gives me a compliment, I wish my, the first words out of my mouth were just something as easy as thanks be to God. Cause I know people yeah. that it is, and that that's because that's what that's that's all it is. Yeah,
1: part of it's an ego boost, and part of it is just you, you kind of feel no, I'm not worthy of you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't say the nice thing about me, you know. So deep down, it's like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Exactly. I like that. It really, really jacks me for those up. of us.
0: <laughs> cursed with uh, words of affirmation, love language. It's just horrible. So, all right. Well, hey, we are, we are, um, gosh, we could talk all, all day. Um, but we are to the fun segment of the show, of the big show. So, this is the, uh, for those that maybe are just tuning in, this is the uh, uh, regular segment of the show. We ask three of the same questions of every guest. They know them in advance, and so, uh, so be prepared to be dazzled by some great answers uh, from George here on, on our three fun segment questions. So question number one uh, is, if, uh, if Jesus uh, himself knocked on your door down in your, in, in your uh, idyllic uh, uh, hometown, small town there an hour away, and just wanted to hang out for the day, what would you do with him? Um, I got two different ways of answering
1: this. I was, I was, you had, uh, a guest on last week when I was listening to it and I know he's a really good golfer. I was thinking, would you ask him to go out and play around the golf? <laughs> Cause I mean, think about it. He'd read putts perfectly for you. <laughs> you know, Perfect. it's, his drives are 400 <laughs> yards. He'd score an 18, a hole in one on every <laughs> hole. <laughs> but, you know, then I think about it, you know, you think about the story of, uh, Mary and Martha, where Jesus comes to their house, and uh, Mary sits at his feet, and Martha's doing no. Martha's sitting at the one of the. Martha's other. working. Mary's yes. at the feet. Yeah, yeah. And Martha complains to Jesus, you know, tell her that you know to help me with this, and and he just says she's chosen the better, the mm-hmm. better thing. So I would just sit at his feet and listen to him talk. Yeah. You know, come on into the house. Let me just sit on it and listen to you. Yeah. I think that would be that would be awesome.
0: That'd go by so fast, so fast. All right, question number two: If you could go to church with any other guy, uh, living or dead, um, and it can be someone that you know or don't know, famous or not famous, who would that who would that guy be?
1: Now, I thought about this for a while, and then the name that came to me was Saint Padre Pio because if you if you read his biography, he had these supernatural abilities to see the supernatural world. And if I could sit at mass with him and just have him explain to me what he's seeing, mm-hmm. he's seeing the church opened up to heaven and heaven coming down on the church mm-hmm. and, de- and, him describing these angels going back and forth and the community of saints, you know, participating in the mass how cool would that be? <laughs> you
0: <laughs> yeah, right, know, right, right, right. it'd
1: it take the mass to a whole new level, totally, you know. Yeah.
0: I got it, you know, it's funny you mentioned him and you mentioned relevant radio earlier because I feel like they talk about uh, St. Padre Pio a lot and I don't know anything about him. I got I to gotta read up on him. Ama- amazing guy. Uh, Capuchin, uh, I think that's the name
1: of it, a monk from Italy. Okay. And uh, he had the stigmata for 50 years. So all the wounds of all the wounds of Christ, but he had, he, he's known to have sat in the confessional for like 18 hours a day and just heard confessions and he knew what people's sins were before they came in Wow! and he would chastise people for not mentioning their sins. He knew them and he'd tell them to get out until you're ready to come and get a, give a good confession. Wow. And That's terrible. he had he had the ability to bilocate, which is documented where he would be in two places at the same time. Wow. And it's documented. That's wild. He was able to heal people. There was a woman who had a sick child. She was on a train and uh to see him and, and uh the child ended up dying and she still brought him to him and he just set the child sleeping, and the child came back to life. Oh, wow! You know, I mean, just wow! Amazing, yeah. humble man, but just yeah, he was so close to Christ that it was it, about as close as a human being can get, or a copy of Christ walking on earth. Wow! You know, just an amazing guy, he worth definitely
0: worth reading about. Definitely, I just and I just love I love our saints. I love the fact that we've got saints that we can read about and. You know, because, and obviously that's the beauty of, of, of our faith and with Jesus himself being walking amongst all of us sinners and fallen people. But but the saints, I shouldn't say but the saints, and the saints are another great example of like being able to actually pers- like personify or, or have, a the, you know, translate grace, translate, you know, miracles through people, actual people. You mm-hmm. know, I just think it's such a beautiful Aspect of our faith, you know. The, the
1: the amazing thing about saints too is is they they considered themselves to be the greatest sinners, mm-hmm. and the only reason. And you'd look at them and think, "I don't even think you sin," you know, compared <laughs> to me, you know. It's because they know God, and they know how perfect God is, mm-hmm. and they know how far short they are from God, so they can recognize their impure, yeah. their impurities. That's what makes them holy, you know. It, just amazing people. Yeah. So great role, Miles. All right.
0: Last question: uh, If you could give some advice to uh, to a younger man, so a, a teenager, and, and as I mentioned at the at the intro, you've had a you've had a, a great career and had a lot of chances to actually interact with with you know high schoolers and such. You know, so maybe you've already done this, but what what kind of advice would you give? um, A young, a young man, you know, teenager, who just about being comfortable in in their faith, being comfortable, thinking about it, exploring it, standing up for it, you know, uh, at times. What kind of advice would you give them?
1: I would say, take a look around the world right now at what's going on, and ask yourself, is that going to make me happy? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you'll find your answer probably is no, and you know, you need to understand that we're not here by accident. You know, we're not we're not a mistake. Um, you were chosen the moment you were conceived by God to do something special. And the only way you're truly going to be happy is to figure out what that is. And like I said before, don't be lukewarm. Go all in because yeah. lukewarm isn't going to cut it.
0: So that's great. George Rashavi. thank you so much. You bet, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.